Podcast markets with Sean Hackett. Sean, how are you doing this morning? Doing pretty good. Real good. Good deal. Well, Sean is with Hackett Financial Advisors out of Boca Raton, Florida, and he is a weekly guest on the Moving Iron Podcast and talks about everything there is to talk about when it comes to commodities. And uh, really, this is a kind of a, a week of, you know, the China thing is may or may not ever get done, and it's it's left in perpetual limbo out there. But um, this guy, they got to do is go to some airport and find a piece of paper, but they can't seem to get that done. But Sean, they talk about what's going on there and, and what's that effect you see right now on, on the market. There was some disappointment yesterday, Casey, when this came out. But right. in the end, we're at the time of the year where the Chinese are going to buy U.S. agriculture. They do it every year. Right. They're going to continue to do it. They're buying a lot of pork, they're buying beef, they're buying uh, soybeans, and they're going to. Continue to do that. Um, so I still come down to the point that U.S. crops this year we know are much smaller. Obviously, the USDA is eventually going to get around to how small they are, but but the cash basis is telling us that we really don't have a lot of corn or soybeans out there, and um, and that's going to continue to be a very strong driver for our markets. As when we look at it, you know the feed demand domestically is going to be. Ready. Um, and, and, uh, and, and looking ahead to global feed demand, if we take China out of the equation, it looks like that's going to be record setting. So the prognosis here looks pretty good for grains to be riling higher, especially if we get some weather problems in South America and Brazil to resurface, which we think we will, as we talked last week in December. So Yeah. Okay. So on that topic, there was some much needed rain that hit that, uh, the dry parts of Brazil and, and some drier parts of Argentina. Argentina's still been struggling with uh, some cooler weather and and just slow emergence and all the stuff that you see happening during a, a cold wet spring. Um, but that didn't that had a bit of an effect on the overall soybean complex uh, this week. So talk about that that particular portion of, of what you see happening in Brazil. Well, I well I, I we're, you know. We're not sure exactly what the outcome is going to be, but we're not having perfect weather. You know, we're not having perfect weather like they had last year. It was wet, it was warm, everything was moving along. They had, you know, it's too dry, it's too cold. Some places it's a little bit too wet. Um, and, and so, and on top of it, the government uh, switchover in uh, Argentina um, and their policy for export tariffs and that sort of thing um, are switching more acres over to soybeans and away from corn. Um, just from an economic standpoint. So when we look at all of this, it says to us that the available exportable supplies in 2020 coming from South America are going to be less than they were last year at a time that the U.S. has much, much smaller crops. So that means it means we're going to have a tighter market. We're going to have a tighter market. And, um, and there are lots of, still lots of weather to go. And um, our work continues to suggest that this period of um, improved wetness, at least in Brazil, it's going to give way to a dry uh, pattern again, and, and, and we're going to have other things to worry about. So it looks to us that um, you know, we have some things to be more 
encourage about and the dollar continues to you know look weaker here um it's not hasn't given us the green light yet it hasn't completely um given us the the, the all systems go but it continues to look weaker here and um if we can get a real shot down here at the end of the year that could also be a factor that drives our markets higher so we really just don't see a lot of downside after you know now that we've had these corrections in the gray markets that we haven't talked about we think we're ready to dig our heels in here and uh it probably work higher at the end of the year so. okay all right so earlier this week too there was a, a meeting with the uh uh president trump and maybe steve mnuchin and and some uh of that the at the uh federal reserve uh had they all sit down and had a a meeting I never really found out what they had that meeting about, but it sure had a had effect on the outside markets. Do you uh, kind of as you take a look at what's going on, and we've been bouncing off of this heading to recession gimmick for a while. In your opinion, what you've seen happen in some of the reports you put out, I guess what's your what's your feel for the overall economy as a whole and how that would have an effect on uh, the U.S. agricultural market? Well, I think we were definitely <clears throat> heading towards a potential recession. Casey, uh, we were. But the Fed reserve unusually moved extremely quick, dropping interest rates quickly, um, printing, you know, going from quantitative tightening to quantitative easing, you know, in, in record fashion. And it doesn't mean rip roaring, booming, you know, uh, economy, but it means that, that they're probably doing enough to kind of have a, what they call a soft landing. And so I would think that uh, you know, it's not that we're going to have. Uh, Phenomenal growth next year, but I think we've probably done enough, and we'll continue to do enough to create a soft landing, and that probably takes recession uh, off the table unless there's something new that to put the shock into the to the global economic system. But right now, they've taken surprisingly quick action, and I think that's good news for avoiding a recessionary outcome, which um, you know, really would not have been ideal for a demand. You know. Okay, so another thing, I was, I'm at a I'm at a conference here in scottsdale and it's western equipment dealers association I, I saw a few things yesterday that remind me a few things that we talked about um they, they were shown some <clears throat> financial graphing of, of what the future might look like and and they were shown like 2021 we're going to be some kind of lower economic years across the, the farm uh on farm income goes and by 2022 23 24 25 is kind of a takeoff Basically, for the next ten years, run into the into the thirties, and there could be some stuff there. The data that you look at, and and the stuff that you see going on, and and the different scenarios that you run throughout your uh, smart money reports and your algorithms that you see, would you support that in in a in a view that the next couple of years might be tight, but the next ten after that are going to be halfway uh, halfway decent years? We're very very optimistic <clears throat> on the next ten years. Um, it's a function of cycles uh, in the dollar, which we've talked about before. The dollar has tends to have periods of rise and periods of fall, and we're, the cycle is staying down into 2024-25, and that means an inflationary component to our markets, which we you know have not had really since 2010-11-12, market uh, when the dollar really started to rally. Uh, the second thing is, as you know, we've been talking about this for a long time now, we're entering an escalating weather volatility cycle. Right. Uh, uh, and, and with that uh, means we're going to continue to have 
to more difficult times growing production at the rates that we've been accustomed to. We're starting to see that, you know, here, and then it was in you know, Russia last year, and then it's everyone's getting their chance to, to get it, but I, that's going to bring tightness into the market. And, um, and thirdly, um, we think that a lot of the conflict that's going on politically uh, and um, uh, geopolitically um, is going to cause... How to say it? When you look at a chart of commodities over you know, 100, 200, 300 thousand years, um, there always tends to be an escalation of conflict that leads into an escalation of inflationary uh, commodity prices. You know, World War One, World War Two. I'm not saying we're going into something like that, but I think we're going to have an escalating tension, altercations um, that's going to cause. Those who need food, in this case agriculture, to be worried that they may not be available or as available as it had been in the past because of conflict. And that could create a boarding mentality. It also could create some desires uh, to more aggressively buy by those countries that, are, that can't produce enough themselves. And we think if we put all that together, we've probably seen, we think last year or you know, the last year's the bottom of the cycle. U.S. agricultural income economic cycle, and that we're actually entering an improvement next year, and then it's really going to escalate higher as we move into uh, 21, 22, 23 um, as, as we go forward. And so, so we're very optimistic. We would agree with that. At the bottom of our cycle, um, by the way, the ag cycle moves opposite of the rest of the economy. We right. do better, and everyone does worse. They do great, and we're doing better. And it's worked again. We've had five, six terrible years. Everyone else been doing great. So, so it's time to switch. Uh, ag is is the place to be. Everyone else is going to kind of muddle along and, and underperform. And we think that's uh, that's pretty clear to us that that's what's coming. So I would agree with uh, with what you just said. So, okay. all right. So uh, last week we talked about we had talked about milk several weeks in a row here. Well, what's happened in New Zealand with the weather conditions we see over there and. The, uh, you know, we talked about how the cheese price was driving the class three milk, um, milk price that we see out there. And you brought up, um, how in New Zealand milk powder is a big deal that they produce, um, something like, I can't remember, like a third of the world's milk powder gets produced out of there or something like that. But as you look across there, you said that was going to be a, uh, a key indicator that was also going to keep driving the, the, uh, milk market up. So Talk about what you see happen with that milk powder uh, market and, and how that's uh, having an effect on the overall milk complex. Well, we did get some timber production numbers from New Zealand. We had talked about how because of the weather, the stress warming event, that we would likely see you know, production go flat. And actually, it was worse than that. It was down 0.7%, uh, worse than we were thinking. So, so the, the production problems are beginning to become clear. And secondly... The, on Tuesday, they had the GDT auction, which is really the auction of New Zealand milk products to the rest of the world. And we had milk powder prices up on average 3 to 4%, uh, es escalating to new uh, highs for the year. The U.S. non-fat uh, powder market rallying to new rally highs for the year. The milk powder market is on fire. It's, it's, it's outperforming, just like we discussed that it would. And the class 4 price, which is a measure of fat, powder, and butter is starting to gain on class three like we said would probably happen because new zealand's really more of a 
milk powder story than it is a cheese story. And so because most producers in the U.S. get paid between a combination of class four price and class three price, we think class three prices will probably level off and maybe fall a little bit, which they have been. Class four price is going to surge, still providing a very good environment for dairymen to start rebuilding their balance sheets. That's probably two of the worst years they've had, you know, in, in anyone's memory. So the the the, uh, the good news is we still think there's going to be a good opportunity for good pricing. Um, the only difference is it's going to switch powder versus cheese. Uh, but overall, until we get through pricing in this negative or this misfire on New Zealand production during their peak season production period, we still think there's potential for prices higher into the uh, to the first quarter before uh, we might level off when price. Still like the market, at least on the powder side, into the end of the year. So, right on. Okay. Well, Sean, good stuff as usual. If folks want to reach out to you and ask you questions about what you have going on or just read some information you have out there, where's the best place to find that? Our website is Hackett, H A C K E T T, advisors.com. Lots of good information, self explanatory. And, you know, if they, if they think what we're doing, it might be a value to them. They could certainly, uh, you know, shoot us an email or give us a call. We'd love to help. So. Right on. All right, Sean. Well, thanks a lot, Sean. This is Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. You can find the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, and just about anywhere else you can find a podcast. Check out the Global Ag Network. And at the bottom of that page, go uh, subscribe to the uh, newsletter that's there. That'll give you all the latest information about everything that is the Global Ag Network and all the great other shows that are out there on the <clears throat> on the platform. Find me on... Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Moving Iron LLC. And uh, so until next time, I'm Casey Seymour, Sean Hackett. And Sean, we'll talk to you again next week, man. Have a good one. You too. Sounds good, Casey. Thanks. All right, thanks. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again through the years you'll find a scene